Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And today we are on the very busy streets of Coruscant in honor of one of my favorite Clone Wars episodes ever, Lightsaber Lost Season 2, Episode 11 of The Clone Wars. And neither of us are very skilled in driving speeder bikes. So if you hear people driving by, that's, uh, you know... Jedi with their Padawans telling them to go faster. They're going 500 times faster than Master (laughs) Sinupe. (laughs) So the fortune cookie of this episode, easy isn't always simple. Yes. I think honestly, the reverse of this is so true. There are a lot of things that are really simple, but that doesn't make them easy. And I think about that all the time. I think that they're both true and that the complexities of thinking of things of simple and easy along like the same axis when they're really just completely different axes of a problem Mm. is something to explore only the first piece of incredible wisdom in this incredible episode oh my god i love it so much okay so we start out we are in deep inner city coruscant yes and anakin and ahsoka are trying to find an arms dealer named car offa The first and last time we hear about this individual. plot device. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This individual is selling weapons on the black market to the separatists, and that is just the thinnest of premises to get us such a delightful episode. Mm -hmm. So Anakin and Ahsoka are walking through Coruscant. There's neon everywhere. It's all seedy and dark. There's people like coughing. There's people coughing. There's some weak weigh-ins like Hondo Onaka's cousins leaning up against the side of the wall. Mm -hmm. Bunch of Quarren who are also dodgy, you know? Yeah, plenty of really dodgy folks. But Anakin strides into the bar where they're trying to find this arms dealer. A whole bunch of people flee. And uh, Ahsoka is on lookout duty outside. She gets knocked over. Mm -hmm. Someone steals her lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Hence, the lightsaber lost. And Anakin immediately finds his guy, strides back out. And Ahsoka just has this kicked puppy look on her face for the next 10 minutes. She's like, oh, my God, Anakin's going to kill me. Yeah, which is funny because what she said is, my master's going to kill me, which is exactly what Anakin said when he lost Did his he lightsaber really? in Attack, Attack of, the of the Clones. Yeah. Oh, that's so He's precious. like, Obi-Wan's going to kill me. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. them so much. So here's something I love. Ahsoka goes straight back to the Jedi Temple, goes to the library and asks Jocasta what she should do. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so nice? Yeah. Well, so she, she knows whereabouts she was and she's like... Maybe there's a list of pickpockets in the Jedi archives. Which conveniently there is. Yes, although it's massive and huge. And Jocasta New points her in the direction of the ancient, wizened, wise... Master Terrace Nube. ...who has spent his latter centuries being an expert in Coruscant crime. Which is so a- funny because he's got... I don't know if it's his mouth or the animators made him look like he's got this handlebar mustache. Mm-hmm. He looks like exactly the kind of like old detective that is kind of over it but has all the knowledge. Yeah, and he like... Asks her two questions. He asks her two things. He punches two things into the computer and he's like, is this the perp you're looking for? Mm -hmm. And there's she's like, yeah, it's that one. And it's Banamu. Banamu. And he is a petroleum question mark. He's a fish guy. Uh, Would you say he's a fishy character? Oh, my God. Yes. Master Sinube does not only have dad jokes, he has granddad jokes. Oh, my gosh. It's so great. Ahsoka's like, okay, thank you so much. If there's anything I can do, okay, bye. I'm on my way. And Master Sinube is like, hold your horses, lady. Like, I want to come with you. There's actually something you can do. Take me with you. It's been decades since I was out in the field. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. So Ahsoka kind of grudgingly lets him come along Mm -hmm. on her big crime-fighting spree. Then we get these big Blade Runner vibes in the rest of the episode. It is the cyberpunk planet to a T. It's got neon and it's got like Open air noodle bars. Yeah, yeah, lots of noodle bars. So they go to a noodle bar. They kind of intimidate the guy into telling her that Banamu is at a hostel downtown. Spider Arms Hostel. Yeah, what a great name. Yeah. They walk in. There's some really slick mind trickery from Sanube. He's like, 
we know exactly where we're going. Which is like the perfect mind trick because it's, it's not a lie. It's like, can I help you? We know where we're going. And then they don't know where they're going. Not even a little bit. But Sunube is like, I'm looking for someone who's worried. Yeah, what he says to Ahsoka, and I highlighted this and put a million stars in my notes. He said, you need to be more quiet, not quiet with your mouth, quiet with your mind. Mm-hmm. Dial! Because that's how Jedi detectives are supposed to work. They're like, ah, yes, I walk into a crowd. There is a guilty person. It's like, you don't know who they are. I'm like, I don't care. They're guilty. I can tell because they have guilt on their mind. Mm. I was just like, the wisdom has been spoken. The advice has been granted. Sinube mm-hmm. out. It was flawless. Mm-hmm. So he tells her to quiet her mind, and then he can sense Banamu's anxiety. Mm-hmm. They find him. Who is a speaking a space a a fish Italian. Italian. <laughs> it is so great. I got a buddy. He's on the Upper East Side. Yeah, it's... With his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. He tells them that Knack Movers mm-hmm. has her lightsaber. Which is not a moving company. LOL. Knickknack mover, mover of knickknacks. <laughs> he is very much like an arbiter of stolen goods. Oh yeah, I guess he is. He's like a he's a major underworld figure though. He's he's a bad dude. We're guessing this because as soon as they get to his apartment, he is dead. Well, they say that he's a major underworld well, character. They know yeah. who he is. But yeah, R.I.P. He, he is dead. He is um so I, I learned in this episode, I was like, what species is Knack Movers? He is a Trandoshan. Oh. And so apparently there's like two flavors of Trandoshans. There's the rangy, muscular, mean ones, and then there's the fat crime lord ones. Yeah. Like, like the guy in um Droid Lost arc. Yes. Who gets grievous. Weirdly, my headcanon is that Knack Movers also has a strong Italian accent. And I don't know if that's like very mafia of him or what, but I'm into it. Yeah. His girlfriend, however, is there. Ioni Marcy. Yeah. Fish lady, weird vertical eyelids, valley girl voice. She has like uh, Squidward hands too. Oh, I didn't even notice that. She's got like flippers. She's got like mitten hands like Squidward. Her other friend is equally strange looking. So they get to the apartment. Sinube is like comforting Ioni, mm-hmm. sticks a tracker on her shoulder. Ahsoka's searching the other rooms. Mm-hmm. And a blue lady kicks her in the stomach and tries to kill her with her own lightsaber. And Ahsoka's like, hey, that's my lightsaber. And this blue lady is like, you're a Jedi and dives out the window. Kicks the glass out of the window, dives out. She slides down the side of the building like a million feet above the ground. Mm -hmm. She's jumping 200 feet across the building. She's got like Jedi moves and she is apparently a Torellian Django jumper. Named Cassie. And uh, she's blue, but I also feel like she's wearing like a hockey mask or something. Yeah, she's got these weird stitch looking things on her jawline. I I think she's wearing a hockey mask. She's basically Elastigirl. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, Ahsoka's also kind of Elastigirl in this episode. So they're doing like an American Ninja Warrior challenge across Coruscant. There is a solid six minutes of high quality parkour in this episode. So high quality. Mm -hmm. My palms are sweating. Like thinking about it, it was Mm -hmm. crazy. There's an interesting scene because uh, she's able to like outrun Ahsoka. Yeah. And Ahsoka is a very bendy, fast Mm -hmm. Padawan. And she's she's using the force to like force jump across things. She is. But she radios back to Sanubi and she's like, this lady is really hard to keep up with. Mm Mm-hmm. And so and there's even one interesting point where Cassie, that's her name, the Torellian Django jumper, uses the lightsaber to slice away at some like hanging TV that has got Palpatine talking about. The Jumbotron. Yeah. Yeah. And Ahsoka slides down his face. I think he's actually playing a similar propaganda reel to the yeah. one in the Zillow Beast arc. He is, because he's like. Contrary to rumors, the Jedi did not start the Clone War. They are to definitely trying power. to keep you all safe. Yeah, which is like the ultimate in fake news. It's oh, like it was I horrible. do something and then I t- I say, oh no, my allies are not doing this thing, but they're not actually his allies. It was honestly the most infuriating moment of the whole episode. It was terrible. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Sanube is acute. So Sanube is basically doing like the detective work where he's being good cop mm-hmm. secretly knowing that he could be bad cop if he wanted to be he, he's doing like the agatha christie thing yeah of like, 
you said that it was a group of men who attacked Mac Rivers. Your friend is a woman. Mm -hmm. And you weren't nervous before, but you are now. Ione freaks out, Mm -hmm. especially when he accuses her of being in league with Mm -hmm. Cassie, the jumper lady. And then she super freaks out. So she jumps out the window into her car, which is waiting and picks up Cassie as Cassie is at the end of a long flagpole that has fallen over because Ahsoka ripped it off the wall. Yeah, Ahsoka finally figured out what Sanube has been trying to tell her all along. She she slows down for one second, basically. That's all it takes. And she unhinges the pole that Cassie is climbing up the side of the building, mm-hmm. strands her hanging in the middle of empty space. But it actually doesn't work. Cassie is rescued by Ione and Ahsoka, like, sits there and hugs her knees on the side of the building. She looks like the last kid to get picked up from school. Oh, she does. She's so sad. And then and then Tara Sanube shows up on a speeder bike. She's like, like, where did you get that, Grandpa? I see you've learned the value of patience. Oh, they're so precious. He's like, don't worry, Grandpa Sanube is here. Hop in. And then he proceeds to drive at two miles an hour to the train station. <laughs> it is. And, and she's like, how do you know they're going to the train station? And he says, well, I put a tracker on her. <laughs> Incredible. They do get to the train station. The law enforcement droids that we meet maybe for the first time this episode, mm-hmm. question mark. I believe so, yeah. They get Ione, but Cassie yeets herself onto a train, holds a twi-like mom and daughter hostage. And as they're as Ahsoka and her are parkouring through the train and on yes. top of it and stuff, yeah. Fortunately, Master Sanube himself meets them at the next station. Mm-hmm. Duels with Cassie for a second, knocks Ahsoka's lightsaber back into her hand, hits Cassie with his cane, yeah, and saves everything. And then uh, Ahsoka is extremely grateful. They're they're cleaning everything up for She's, a guy who moves slow. You always seem to yeah. get ahead of me. And she says. Uh, is there anything else I can do? And he says, one more thing. Oh, my God. Pass on what you have learned. Oh. And they go to the younglings and Sanube and Yoda have a moment of, hey, old buddy, what have you been up to the last 300 years? And, oh, nothing much. And Ahsoka starts talking about. They're like, gather the around. You're going to mm-hmm. learn from this big, strong Padawan. Yeah. Who's, you know, 14 and they're six. So. It has been zero days since I cried <laughs> at the Clone Wars. <laughs> Tell me why I'm crying. Uh, so that's know, the episode. That's the episode. And this is a really meaningful thing. I think there's a lot to be said for the comfort of wisdom. Mm. When someone is just willing to give you that wisdom and willing to pass it on. And that is like the lesson that Sanube is passing. He's like, always pass on your wisdom. You know? Yeah. Not only is this episode chock full of incredible wisdom tidbits from Sanube, but I do love because no one else has told Ahsoka that she has knowledge worth passing on yet. She's just a learner. Ooh, but what Sanube yeah. is telling her is that even as a Padawan, she is learning things that are worth sharing with those who are going to come after her. Yeah. That's nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. What uh, what stood out to you in this episode? A couple things. One of them is that just popped to my mind was when Sunube is interrogating Ioni, he says, my Padawan found this, that, the other thing. And it, it says to me that the, like the relationship between like a Padawan and a master is a little bit more fluid, that like Padawan's kind of a temporary thing. And that I think is is good. You know, you aren't a Padawan. Um, a Padawan apprentice to a master forever, you have like a series of masters, oh. you know? And I think that that's important because in the original trilogy in Empire Strikes Back, the force ghost Obi-Wan says, there you will learn from Yoda, a Jedi master who instructed me, mm. which is important, but also, you know, Qui-Gon is there and, you know, a whole pile of people. So there's, so you go to the master who can serve you the best in that moment. Yeah. And that's like the relationship between Luminara and Plo Koon and Ahsoka as well. That we've and seen a, couple times. Mm-hmm. a bunch of times they've gone on and they've been on buddy cop adventures like this. So, so cool. Yeah. Now, another thing that really spoke out to me is that this is a buddy cop movie. Oh my gosh. It is totally the same film noir, detective noir thing from Attack of the Clones. 
It is, which is great. And I think Coruscant is great at that. Now, also, the plot is heavily influenced by a, a 1947 film by Akira Kurosawa no. called Stray Dog. What? Where a young rookie cop has his gun stolen and it's used to commit a bunch of crimes. Oh, my and gosh. he teams up with an old cop to go rescue it. Yeah. And like Wait, the that's plot, incredible. The plot goes uh relatively differently but it's you know it's a kurosawa thing so the last kurosawa episode we had was bounty hunters and we got know of that we know of (laughs) but we got the red text before that one that said in memory of akira kurosawa nothing of the same sort for this episode now if i recall correctly that's because that had been maybe the anniversary of his death oh maybe yeah but it goes to show how important kurosawa is to the star wars lineage and i think that's really cool i'm not really a fan of like you know 40s and 50s movies and especially ones where i'd have to watch them like subtitled but it would be it is cool that that whole genre of movies inspired star wars because that's like how our mythology and that is what star wars is you know it's modern mythology it's modern legend yeah yeah that is how it comes to be is through evolution and through the syncretization of different ideas and so taking these cool like Eastern things with regards to honor and moving them into a Western science fiction setting files off the serial numbers, but the moral is still the same. Yeah, this is slightly off track, but I'm going to circle around. I once took a futurism and surrealism literary course, Mm -hmm. and the whole point of the course is that humans are incapable of creativity and originality Mm. because everything we create is influenced by everything we've consumed. Mm, So you're never creating something original. You're creating a new amalgamation of all of your influences. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It's kind of a radical idea, but I love that we're all creating these patchwork quilts of the funny things that we've read and the beautiful movies that we've seen and the books that we've loved. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think it's amazing that Kurosawa is knitted into the Clone Wars so deeply. Definitely, and into the Star Wars universe as a whole. Okay, so you mentioned that in the Kurosawa movie, the young cop's gun was stolen and was Mm -hmm. used to commit a bunch of crimes. Yes. That is, for me, the emotional sticking point of this episode of The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. So Sanube says to Ahsoka, you're afraid that if someone dies by your lightsaber, you will be as guilty as if you swung the blade. Mm -hmm. Here's what he does. He doesn't give her an answer. He says... That's a valid concern, and that's one for you to figure out. Yes. Yes. I think this is a phenomenal lesson because the answer does two things, right? If you figure it out. The answer is if someone kills someone with your lightsaber, you are not necessarily responsible for for those deaths, but you need to be way more responsible about the tools and the power that are allotted to you. Absolutely. And in addition, there's, I think, something there of Sunube being a super attenuated Jedi is able to say, I can teach you the lesson of uh, move slow to go fast, but I can't teach you the lesson of what to do in every situation Mm -hmm. or how, like what's important to you. You have to teach yourself that because, you know, he was just with her for a half day and it was, you know, he solved all the problems by moving slow to go fast. Yeah. And here is my major headcanon for this episode. When he was telling Ahsoka to pass on what she had learned, they did open the door to reveal a room full of younglings But my immediate thought is that Sanube wanted Ahsoka to go back to Anakin and teach him what she had learned about patience, about taking a moment to reflect, about Mm -hmm. not following your gut reaction. Perhaps. Um, So Tara Sanube has popped up. uh, He pops up, as far as I know, three times in the Star Wars canon. This is one of them. 
And one of them is in the second High Republic novel. Oh. Where he is recently ascended to the rank of Jedi Master because the lols take place 230 years before the events of Oh my gosh, he's old, old. Yeah, he is he is Yoda levels of old. And I think that that type of lesson is a really interesting one for a Jedi, but it also says to me that perhaps like this war, all this stuff going on, he's a quasi-retired Jedi. Yeah. He's he's got a weird little side project. He lives in the Jedi archives. He has a lightsaber cane and he just like, you know, does cool Jedi things all day. He might not be involved with the whole war as much. Yeah, I think the best thing about the Clone Wars. So, we've talked about how the cantina scene in the original trilogy, I just want a side series for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The thing that Tara Sinube gave to me is that first of all, I want an entire novel length featurette on Tara Sinube as a young Jedi. But you know what I want more than that is a like mini series about Jocasta when Jocasta was a young Jedi. Because when Ahsoka goes to the library, to the archives to get some answers, we've got two ancient looking venerable Jedi Mm -hmm. who still have lightsabers. Yeah. But they have been relegated to do something else more worthy of their time and possibly even to keep them a little bit safer. Yeah. And also commensurate with their skills. Right, right. So like, what is it that makes them so amazing? Like, what have they done in their lives? I just want to know. Yeah. Well, one of the other things is if, for example, you know, you become a Jedi and, you know, you go through the decades of intense physical training and then at the end of it it's like you know there's a lot of work to be done in terms of keeping the peace as well as carrying this knowledge on as well as providing services you know that can't like as far as intelligence services and that's kind of what Jocasta knew and Teresa Nube do right they they keep the knowledge and they're a force multiplier for the Jedi mm-hmm. because Jocasta knew and Teresa Nube with like a handful of phone calls can make someone like Anakin, they can put him in the right spot and make him hit 500 times harder. Yeah. Or the idea of working smarter and not harder, right? Absolutely. Ahsoka could have paged through every screen in the mm-hmm. archives perp database trying to visualize the one person that she was trying to find. And Tara Sanube just needed to ask two questions. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, is this the person that you're looking for? And Ahsoka's like, oh my God, that's him. And that's real wisdom. You know, that's the Google foo of yeah. knowing, knowing the actual question to ask mm. is wisdom. And that is the intelligence. And that is something you kind of have to earn. Mm-hmm. And that's what Sanube has. And I like that Sanube represents the old guard of the Jedi, which is something that I'm going to argue we haven't seen since, even probably before Qui-Gon. But Qui-Gon is the first Jedi that I was aware of mm-hmm. who walked that line of nonviolence so yeah. beautifully. So when Ahsoka barges into Banamu's apartment... She is mad. And she flings him up against the wall. Flings him up against the wall, holds him down, threatens him. And Sanube says, Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. It's the only time he raises his voice in the entire episode. And I just wrote down, I cannot in a million years imagine Qui-Gon doing this. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine Obi-Wan even doing this, but I can a hundred percent imagine Anakin doing this. And then he passed that lineage down to Ahsoka. Yeah. You know, that lineage question is really interesting. So a bunch of my professors and advisors in college and uh, TAs and stuff had this in college where they had a plaque made and the plaque was going back to like who their advisor was and who their advisor's advisor was until they got to Isaac Newton. Whoa. And it was it, it was really surprising. It's only like nine people, but you know. the intellectual lineage, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Though. Yeah. And so carrying on that idea of like not just the way you move through your profession, which is the Jedi way, but also like 
what ideas you carry with you and how you solve problems, I think is really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's why I'm so fascinated by lineage in the Jedi world. I'm sure other people find this really interesting too, but I yeah. get so fixated on Yoda-trained Qui-Gon, trained Obi-Wan, trained Anakin, trained Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. I get so fixated on that because you watch the ideology change between every generation yeah. And we're in a point, it seems, in Jedi history where the fundamental the fundamental nature of being a Jedi has changed. Yeah. Well, as um oh man, Kit Fisto's Padawan said when he oh, right before yeah, he died, yeah, yeah. he said the rules have changed. In the Grievous arc. Yes. Or uh I think that was a new gunray arc, actually. But yeah. The end of the new gunray arc, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that is what Palpatine's master plan is. Mm -hmm. Because as he's sitting there, as you said, as he's on the jumbotron, he's saying he's he's fake newsing. Mm -hmm. you know, he's he's mm -hmm. projecting. He's gaslighting. He's making it seem because you know this is something that happens fairly often. There's a lot of quote conspiracy theories unquote which are like true-ish. Oh, you know, sure. Like the CIA did start all sorts of coups and is responsible for like bishops dying. Absolutely. There's like Iran Contra, all these things. And it's a hop, skip and a jump to be like, ah, oh, yes, the moon landing was faked. I would argue at the seed of every conspiracy theory is a grain of truth or else they wouldn't have legs. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, don't have legs with even the slightest glance of truth. But the idea that there are conspiracies out there and then Palpatine is masterfully saying, well... I'm this thing I'm doing, I'm going to accuse my opponents of doing. So that way, when I am uncovered doing it, both sides do it. It's fine. It's allowed now. Those or he's just planting rules. these poisonous seeds. He's poisoning the roots. Yes, he's poisoning the Jedi. And then pointing out that the roots have been poisoned. It's so devious. Yes, it is. It is. And, you know, he's like, I'm just asking questions. I'm just, you know, I'm covering up for my friends here. I'm covering up for the fact that If you that have nothing to hide, things. then you wouldn't mind me asking questions. And that is, yeah, out of all the things. And what's what's interesting is, uh, you know, uh, Ian, or whoever the voices of Palpatine is not credited in this episode. So interesting. So like a, a side I like think that, they yeah. really did record that propaganda reel earlier and we're just playing it during the <laughs> Zillow Beast arc and then they spliced it in again for this one. Mm -hmm. But it does uh, – the lesson of go slow to go fast also applies to Palpatine because mm. he does not act overtly unless he absolutely has to. Mm -hmm. And he is always there like – because even in the Zillow Beast arc, you know, he's like, I really need to live through this and I'm going to have to like use my force powers in a quarter second. And he just doesn't. We got one great grandpa in this episode. It is Tara Snoobie and one extremely not great other grandpa, <laughs> which is Palpatine. Yeah. Not my fave. Sorry, now, Ray. Also in the background of this episode, uh, it is... It has been said by the creators of the show that Ioni and Cassie had a relationship, a romantic relationship. I can totally see that. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think that's a common trope that like the gangster is going to have the hot girlfriend and then the hot girlfriend has like her own life going on. But she's also – but like being a gangster's girlfriend is like a job. You know? Yeah, I would imagine that being a gangster's girlfriend does not afford a lot of emotional nourishment, and you probably are needing to seek fulfillment for your emotional needs elsewhere. So yeah. good on Ioni. Sorry that they are both a little morally dubious. <laughs> I hope they get the same prison cell. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, so yeah, Cassie, I believe, is a a uh, bounty hunter. That's what Terra Sanube said. I'm not yeah. sure that we heard it anywhere else in the episode, but he did say to Aini, oh, so you're in league with the bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. So she must be pretty tough. Yeah. Or, you know, she's able to parkour her way in and out of things. I would like to point out that uh, right before that she gets on the train, she turns on the lightsaber and carves through two police droids. She does. Okay, I noticed this, especially when Sanube was dishing out his wisdom to Ahsoka on if someone dies by your lightsaber. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting and and maybe predictable, but nice, ultimately, that the Clone Wars brought up this really thorny and high-stakes dilemma for Ahsoka, which yeah. is that someone could die by her lightsaber. And then sort of like making the Separatist army made up of battle droids – they made everyone who is the victim of Ahsoka's lightsaber also 
a droid, in this mm-hmm. case, a law enforcement droid. I would just like to point out that that means that Cassie has a higher droid kill count than Ki-Adi Mundi. What? Because <laughs> all he had killed was Geonosians. Oh, no. <laughs> I actually think he did kill droids in episode two, but yeah. No justice for Ki-Adi Mundi. <laughs> I'm just a hater. I just, he's just lame. Sam will simp for Rex. Rex but certainly Rex, not Rex, for Rex and you, Lauren, are cool. I will, uh, you know, they're they're welcome, but I'm... A no Kiati Mundi coneheads allowed. So oh, no coneheads allowed. I want to take a step back and look at the setting of this episode and some of the uncomfortable realizations that we get about Coruscant. Yeah, that it is a uh, very stratified society. Yeah. Okay. So it's the moment about two seconds into the episode when mm-hmm. Anakin and Ahsoka walk by that person coughing. On the street corner. Yeah. Ahsoka makes a face. Anakin ignores them. They both just walk on by. Mm -hmm. And I connected this to the moment that we see Palpatine's face on the Jumbotron. And he's saying, I'm sure the Jedi are doing their best to keep every citizen safe. Mm -hmm. The Jedi are peacekeepers. But are they also supposed to fill other roles in society if they see someone coughing on the street corner are they supposed to stop and ask if that person's okay and so okay let's fast forward a few steps on that as well if Tara Sunube is acting as a detective or an advisor to a detective thing are the Jedi police and furthermore should police be in charge of the well-being the health of people Mm. right and so what we see on coruscant is that there are layers upon layers because there's gosh i mean it's a whole planet that's a city that means you could fit trillions of people on there oh yeah so what i read about coruscant in the star wars book the encyclopedia that we Mm -hmm. recently got is that coruscant is this gritty urban center made up of Thousands and thousands and thousands and miles and miles of stories of urban construction. Mm -hmm. And there are people in Coruscant who live on the lower levels who've never seen sunlight. Yeah. That's what the official Star Wars book says. And so there's this rarefied elite, like the Mm -hmm. politicians and the Jedi – And then there's the poor who stay poor and the powerful who stay powerful and the rich who stay rich. And if you're born to a lower class, you are effed. Like you Mm -hmm. might never have a shred of quality of life in your entire life. And so Jedi as peacekeepers, if they are keepers of the peace, necessarily enforce the status quo Mm. because the status quo would require violence to overturn. Mm. Even in a democracy, the rules become stratified because it's a capitalistic society. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. So that person is dying of a cough because the Jedi enforce that as well. Wow. Now, do the Jedi directly enforce that? Not necessarily, but they are a device of power projection they are a force multiplier for the local police because the local police droids uh you know can't read minds but the jedi can yeah sunube calls the law enforcement droids he's the one who calls them he's like okay well you're better equipped to do this piece of the puzzle and i'm Mm -hmm. better equipped to do this piece yeah it is interesting to me and it's this really delightfully thorny struggle of this episode That on the one hand, we get this amazing Jedi wisdom and we're like, ah, the original Jedi lessons are so great and so incredible. And on the other hand, we're getting these modern Jedi who walk by someone who could be dying of the plague and Mm -hmm. don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Now, circling back to the High Republic era, one of the important things of that is that the main Jedi temple on Coruscant is like – pretty major, but there's a whole bunch of other Jedi outposts. Hmm. And I think that that's really cool if you imagine that the Jedi live all over the galaxy and that perhaps the Jedi Temple isn't the most important thing. Mm. Although by the time of the Clone Wars, it is because it makes a lot more sense to have your people all in one defensible location like Coruscant to make the decisions for the war. Sure, That necessarily separates them out from the galaxy because despite all of the people on Coruscant, there are bajillion planets and each one has however many people on it oh yeah and if the jedi are spread out over that they're acting as a representation or a representative protector of the people as well 
Yeah. And so in this episode, we get one lens of what they do to protect people. Mm-hmm. And then we get another lens where what are they really doing for the benefit and well-being of regular or lower class people? And the answer doesn't seem to be a lot. So I think this episode is really canny and really wise in sowing all of these seeds Mm -hmm. of discontent where I can totally see how the Jedi are not always perceived in a positive light. Yeah. And, you know, that is the mystique. That is the legend that they must perpetuate in order to, like, keep that power projection available. But because of the way the Jedi operate, it's not like they have an HR wing, Mm. you know? There's no Jedi... The, the Jedi have to keep performing heroic deeds in order to be perceived as heroic. Mm. And so when they're involved with a, a war, then that heroism becomes tarnished by the war. Yeah, they and have to when, walk that razor line mm-hmm. of committing war crimes or doing heroic deeds. And that same act can mean different things to different people. Yeah, especially because, you know, this separatist war to the average citizen in the slums of Coruscant doesn't mean a hill of beans one way or the other. Sure. You know? Because they they still have the same things to do back and forth every day. They still have to struggle for it. Yeah. What does your intergalactic war mean to me when I'm, you know, standing on the sidewalk wondering where my next meal is going to be? Absolutely. And I just pawned a lightsaber because I don't, you know, have any money. Absolutely. Yeah. Pickpocket anything and and steal anything. I need to eat my spaghetti. (laughs) My my space, a fish spaghetti. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I thought this was such a clever layered, nuanced episode. This was like the onion dip of episodes. There is so many layers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was such a good one. The last thing I have to say about this episode is that I, Anna, have a proposal for the Jedi, Mm -hmm. and it is a really good one. We're listening. Okay, class. (laughs) My proposal is that every Padawan needs to take adjunct classes, like elective classes with different Jedi master professors. They need Mm -hmm. to do basically clinical rotations with different Jedi masters. So we need one class at Luminara to learn non-attachment. We need one class with Kit Fisto just for pure style. Yeah. Just to look amazing. Learn how to breathe water. Yes, that too. Just to turn into Aquaman. We need one class with Ayla Sakura to learn how to kick butt and look really, really hot while you're doing it. (laughs) And we need one class with Sanube to learn all of his wisdom before he dies. And, you know, you also need one with Obi-Wan to learn how to have a soul of stone just of of the of of just permanence Mm. of rightness and you need one with anakin to learn how to improvise into and out of situations enough to to absolutely always live so you can pass your lessons on and one with plo koon to learn how to always take the best care of the people that you are in charge of yeah and I think if they did this if every padawan had to do rotations with all the jedi masters at the stuff they're best at this would solve all of the Jedi's problems. Yeah, although there's there's two things there. One of them, there's a war on and moving around a bunch of people logistically is tough. The other one is that the Jedi also learned from the Padawan. This is true. Yeah. This and, is true. And so having that long-term relationship, I think, is really important, especially at a younger age. It doesn't because need to be a long elective class. It can be like a couple weeks. I, I think a long-term relationship is important. No, no, no. I think every... Padawan should have a Jedi master, but I'm saying yeah. they need to go to boot camp like three weeks a year. And they're like, okay, it's my year with Luminara. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you in a month. I, I think that the more time spent, the better because it is forming a strong attachment and it's, it's within the force and across the force, you can build a stronger attachment with people. Okay. So. Well, I'm still pitching this yeah, no, to the I Jedi mean, temple. I would like $1 million and royalties and, royalties. and credit forever. Okay. You'd like your name on the Jedi Temple. This yes. is the this is the Anna Wing. Yes, the- absolutely. <laughs> it's where all the younglings get to like hang out and play ping pong when they're not like in lessons. Do you think they have to play ping pong with lightsabers? Yes, a hundred percent. 
And I think that is actually such an incredible idea. All right. Well. Aw, my little younglings. Learning yeah. the best. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Thinking of these elder Jedi and the lessons they pass on, I think is is really important. I have had the unfortunate, speaking of, you know, college professors, because that's how this relationship feels. I've had the unfortunate privilege of going to a few, you know, end of life ceremonies for a few of my professors and remembering what they taught me. Uh, one one lesson I really valuably learned from Professor Batzel was uh, you're never measuring what you're measuring. And I think that that in my line of work is incredibly valuable for taking a step back and and looking at things and and Teresa Nube his lessons on timing and on speed. Mm. Uh, there's a lot to be said in the Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi about that. In that, basically, the entire thing he talks about is that when you have control of the tempo of a fight, you have control of the fight. Mm. And that is what Sanube is trying to teach without teaching it in a combat style because he's like, I'm not going to teach Ahsoka Tano anything about lightsaber fighting. I'm going to teach her about tempo. Yeah, we didn't even mention my favorite piece of wisdom from him, which is at the very end of the episode after he gives Ahsoka her lightsaber back and Mm -hmm. successfully duels Cassie. He says the value of moving slowly is that you can always clearly see the way ahead. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. There's also the go slow to go fast in terms of um, precision and accuracy. Mm-hmm. When you watch someone do something that is like uh, has a lot of physicality to it, like uh, action shooting, or when you're watching like an athlete, when you're watching someone like set a world record in running a marathon, you watch them and you're like, they don't look like they're moving that fast. You know, they don't mm-hmm. look like they're running pell mell. They don't look like they're really actively moving from point to point. They're moving with grace. Grace and the perfect tempo, the perfect speed, the exactly. right speed. The right speed. Because everything does have a correct speed to do it at, to line up with yourself and, and line up with your direction and mm-hmm. your intent to mm-hmm. solve the problem. And out of all the the ways of strategy that Mushashi talks about, that tempo is the one that I worked on a lot for like five years to, to learn a lot about it. Because timing is... Everything. Yeah, there's a million adages about this. Haste mm-hmm. makes waste. Measure once, cut. Tr- measure twice. Measure twice, cut once. Clearly, this is not my forte. Yeah. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Measure never. <laughs> measure never. Just hammer nails into your wall and and hope that it's centered. That's my that's yeah. my mo. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of that. It's an important thing to internalize, and that is the type of lesson that I believe Teresa Nube is like, okay, I have a Padawan for an afternoon until I solve her problem. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to tell her a few grandpa jokes and hope that this lesson will move on. And ironically, or I guess not ironically, except in the literary sense, I do believe that Ahsoka learns this lesson. Having seen the future a little bit, I think that Ahsoka does learn a lot of the value of timing. That's really cool. Yeah. That's nifty. Oh, I love them so much. (laughs) On that note. Is it time for Sanube Watch? It's time for Sanube Watch! Sanube Watch. Sanube Watch. Sanube Watch. Okay, Sam, you know this. Yes. Uh, some of our listeners know this. And I also said it earlier in this episode. And you also said it earlier. But... The reason that Baywatch is called Baywatch is because one of the last episodes that I watched before we started this podcast was Lightsaber Lost, mm-hmm. and I said, Bay is in Sinu Bay's name, and there will never be a greater Bay than him. So there you go. And now we have Baywatch. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to formally dedicate this Baywatch and all future Baywatches and all past Baywatches <laughs> to their namesake, Master Tara Sinube uh, himself. Yeah. I mean, he shows up. He's sleeping. Yeah, he, he is. Up. He's drooling a little bit. Yeah, and <laughs> I was resting my eyes. He is able to move as an Elder Jedi and do the cool things that Elder Jedi get to do. He's simply the best. Yeah. He's got grand advice. He's got dad jokes. He's got a lightsaber cane that he is not afraid to hit criminals with. 
His lightsaber moves are pretty top-notch. He's like, oh, okay, let me disarm you, and then I'm going to smack you with my stick. He That fight was over in two moves, and yeah. one of them was Ahsoka getting her lightsaber back. He disarmed Ahsoka's lightsaber into Ahsoka's hand. I literally don't even know how he got there. How did he get to the next train station? He called the, he called the like, train advi- uh, like train. Oh, did they even control. move? No. He's just like, yeah, just rotate that train around. Just make it do a lot. Yeah. Which is a way better thing. That is so brilliant. Yeah, because like, oh, they ran off on a train. It's like, hey, can you just rotate that, route that train back? And they're like, yeah, sure. I would like to formally petition that I get to be a Padawan and I get to take a master class with Sinue <laughs> because I am not in control of my life at all. And I would <laughs> very much like some Sinue advice to turn things around. Well, it's all about timing. Yeah. It's all about choosing your battles, choosing how to fight them and the timing because that's like what Sinube was doing. You know, he put a tracker on Ione before he... Before he started questioning her. Because he already knew, but he's like, she's going to take a runner or she's going to fight me or something. And if she takes a runner, I just want to be prepared. Yeah. So he's like, I've I've already won that battle of knowing where she's going to end up at the end of the day. Mm. Before he starts questioning her because he wanted to see how she's going to act. Mm-hmm. 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 Trust but verify. Yeah. So great. Uh, that's that's my bay. Yeah. The OG Bay himself. OG Bay himself. Whomst is your Bay? Well, I got two choices. Two choices. And I'm going to go with Ahsoka. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ahsoka because she learned the lessons. Yeah. And she did, and we've talked about this a little bit more, and I'm, you know, it's, it's fun. When, it, when we started this project, I was like, oh, yeah, it's always of my mind that each Jedi has like a thing that they're good at. Yeah. And what I'm learning is that my other headcanon is now the one from a High Republic, that each Jedi, when they make a mistake, needs to ask for help and accept it. Mm. Ahsoka accepted help. Mm. That shows a significant amount of character growth for her. Imagine if Anakin had lost his lightsaber, right? Do you think he would have run to the archives and asked Jocasta New what to do? Uh, no, because he's lost his lightsaber multiple times. He's, he's lost his lightsaber in, so many times. He's always in like a hot panic, you know? So the idea that Ahsoka is able to accept these lessons and pass them on and recognize the importance of all of it, I think is really important. Also, when that question that... Uh, Sunube asked her, you're worried that your lightsaber is going to be used. Mm. That is something that shows her humanity, I guess. The idea that she is still connected to all living beings and one in the force. And so Mm. when, Mm -hmm. if her lightsaber is used to snuff something out, that means that her negligence was responsible for a decrease in the living force. And she is deeply, deeply, deeply concerned about Mm -hmm. that. And that tells me she is a fundamentally good person. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, she has to learn about the attachment there. Her lightsaber is just a thing. But is it something that she needs to have responsibility for? Yes. Yeah, it's it's her tool. Yeah. And as she tells the younglings, it is your life and it is also the lives of others. It's your responsibility. Yes, it is your greatest responsibility. Mm. Because all the other responsibilities she have are, you know, the equanimity of existing in the force. But the lightsaber is the thing that exerts her will on reality mm-hmm. outside the force. Mm-hmm. I feel like she learned so much in this episode and, you know, in the... It has been zero days since I cried at a Clone Wars episode. For me, Tara Sinube, I love hanging out with old dudes and listening to their stories, but I do learn more lessons from young people learning lessons. Yeah. You know what I love? I think this episode is such chicken soup for my soul because, (laughs) like, it's so lovely that – because Ahsoka is such a high-performing Padawan. And it's nice for one episode's time – to be dedicated to Ahsoka getting to be a learner and somebody who's older and more experienced and wiser and better equipped to be able to modulate the situation a little bit, like cushion the situation. Mm -hmm. It's really comforting to me that Ahsoka gets to make a mistake and it doesn't have to be life-threatening and it doesn't have to be so dire. Yeah, and one more thing here to contrast – you know, in Attack of the Clones, when Anakin loses his lightsaber. Obi-Wan that, grabs it for him out of midair. He does, but also, like, 
a week later, the Clone Wars have started. Oh, yeah. And so what lessons could Anakin have learned? Whereas Ahsoka is able to learn the same lesson about her lightsaber, losing her lightsaber, in the context of and like being part of the Coruscant underworld mm-hmm. with by by learning the way of the old guard Jedi. Yeah. The old school Jedi. Yeah. And that makes her, once again, a better Jedi than Anakin. Ooh. Spicy. Who is your other bay? Who are my choices? Yeah, who are your choices? There's only two characters. It's Ahsoka and and Sanube. Oh, so you're just you're just uh you're just not saying that Sanube is is worth. Sanube is great. He is a great teacher. I admire a great learner more than a great teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think being a great learner is something which in our current society isn't respected as much as being a great teacher. Hmm. But even then, you know, it's not the teachers get much respect. It's that being a learner gets even less respect. Mm-hmm. So I, I always root for the little guy. Oh, cool. Well, that about wraps it up, huh? Unless you got yeah. any closing thoughts? No, just I'm a big Tara Sanube stan over here. Yeah, yeah. Give well, me a sticker and a foam finger. <laughs> Sanube, Sanube. So next week is a triple header. Ooh, we're is, going to Mandalore. We're going to Mandalore. We're going to hang out with uh, the Duchess Satine, who, speaking of bays, her and Obi-Wan got history. hey it yeah. is season two, episodes 12 through 14. Yeah. And, uh, you know, think of your teachers fondly because sort of like older relatives, they'll they'll pass out of your life, whether out of life in general or out of your life sooner than you think. And it's important to remember the lessons that you get from them. Yeah, absolutely. Send this one to your favorite teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Or your favorite student. Oh, yeah. I love that idea. Um, if you want more Skywalker or if they do tell them to follow <laughs> us on social media at growing up Skywalker, you can also email us questions at growing up Skywalker at gmail.com. And if you want more bonus content, you can become one of our patrons on Patreon. We release bonus content every Thursday. Mm-hmm. So sign up for Spice Rock and Sub's Level History Minute. Do, 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 do. And aren't we going to do something else? Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> it, that's that's fun. It's uncensored, and sometimes we go exceedingly off topic. Yeah, we had a 30-minute episode on fandom last week, <laughs> so it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's part one of many. Who knows how many. Yeah. yeah. All anyway. right. Talk to you all next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye.